Hey, everyone. Welcome to Superwomen. I'm so excited to have someone I call a friend, a peer, and someone who's just a bad fucking ass, uh, who I love watching, Kate Luzio, the founder of Luminary, which is an incredible, not only is it a physical space where you can go and work, meet people, be inspired, hear incredible women speak, but also a digital space that she's created. And um, we're going to get into her story. So welcome. Thanks, Rebecca. It's great to be here. Yeah. So can you do a little bit of bragging about your career prior to Luminary? Sure. That's the easy part. <laughs> uh, so I, I spent almost 20 years in corporate investment banking. My last couple of jobs I ran for HSBC, I ran a global business called Multinational Corporate Banking. So I had you know, $2 billion P&L, 2,000 employees, 72 countries, uh, which was an incredible couple of years. And before that, I was recruited to HSBC from JP Morgan. And before that, I ran a similar business across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. I was based in London for many years, um, where I had people all over Europe, Middle East, and Africa and ran a big, you know, billion-dollar business. And so my whole career, really in banking, I started in tech for a couple of years, but was recruited into banking, was client-facing, building businesses. I was in my element. I thrived in the corporate environment. And on the side of my desk, I was really a passion about and proud of the fact that I led a lot of our women's efforts. So, you know, I feel like I had a great run in financial services and I didn't leave it because I was miserable. I left it or I took a break from it because you never say never um, because I wanted to do something with different kind of impact, but continue to be working with big companies like I was for 20 years. So you have a successful corporate career and you you decide, okay, I'm going to leave this uh, cushy. When I say cushy, like... Yes, it was very cushy. Cushy and safe. Let's just say that. Yep. To go launch something in uncharted territory and self-fund it. So talk me through that mindset, because I think a lot of women, A, are scared to do that, and then B, think they have to go to a VC and raise a bunch of money and, you know, or think that's the only way that they they can start something. So take me through that incredibly scary or not, maybe that wasn't the scary part for you, time. No, it it was a scary part. So I had made the decision that after a very long conversation over drinks with one of my mentors, he sort of questioned me on, is this the, is this what you want to do for the rest of your life? And honestly, in, in 22 years of corporate America, no one had ever asked me that. And so when he challenged me around, is that what I want to do? I didn't really have an answer. A few weeks later, I decided that I was going to take a break, not necessarily take a break from a career, but that I had a great reputation. I had results. I had a terrific resume, but I wanted to see what else was out there. And I was talking to a lot of my clients about going to work for them. Uh, In the midst of all that, I had never planned on opening a company. In fact, when I wrote the business plan in March of 2018, if you had asked me in February if I was going to go run my own company or build a company, I would have laughed in your face. That was just not... For me, what I thought was in the realm of possibilities. And, and I factor, I remember saying to my boyfriend, I don't have any good ideas. How, how would I run a company? Yeah, so I, I really didn't think that I was going to go launch my own company. But at the time, I, I was looking around the, the landscape of women and seeing just women not being able to come together and, and, and learn from each other and inspire each other and, and at the same time invest in their skills. And I wrote this business plan. 
I didn't know that that's what I was doing. And two weeks later, I kind of got out of my pajamas. Like, I think I have something here. A week later, I wrote my financial projections. I was like, okay, I can do this on my own. And for me, Rebecca, like once I make a decision to do something, I'm all in. Like I am not a side hustler. I, I, I give so much credit to anyone that can do that, but I am like, I got to be all in. And so I called up all the recruiters and people that I was talking to and said, I'm out. Like I'm going to go run, start my own company. And it was scary, but at the time, you know, we weren't open yet, right? So you're in that ideation phase, you're kind of building. So it was really exciting and the adrenaline rush. It wasn't really until I think we opened our physical doors in early 2019 that the that scariness, that fear uh, crept in. But at the same time, you know, I had taken risks my whole career. I wasn't raised as, you know, I didn't have the skills to be a banker. I didn't have a finance background. And I did that. I didn't, I mean, I've lived in five different countries. That, those were all risks that I took. I've worked in three of the largest banks in the world. So I knew I was a risk taker. I didn't know that it was going to be this big of a risk when I decided to do it. And then once you sort of rip that bandaid off, you're like, oh shit, I'm in it. I've got to perform. So did you give yourself a, I'm going to do this until X happened and then I'll know if I can continue or here's, I have enough runway to last me X amount of time. And if it doesn't go by then I'm out or you were just like, fuck it, I'm going to grit it out and I'm just going to, this is going to become something. I think I was a little bit at first, here's my runway. This is what I want to do, right? So that, the banker in me kind of figuring out what that all looks like. And that for me was very important. I had my business plan. I had my North Star. I knew what I was going to do. I think that that sort of grit, that fuck it attitude kind of came when I when people started to come into the space. And I started to seeing the real impact that we were having. And being able to work with partners like you and the Female Founder Collective and others, I was like, this is something. If it was crickets when we launched, I would have had to figure out how to adapt very quickly. And lo and behold, 14 months later, we had to do that. But I am not the kind of person also that believes in failure. I don't think you fail unless you give up. And for me, I just wasn't going to give up on this business because it was no longer an idea. It was a real business. And you know, I have an amazing network around me. My network from my former life and my network now that, you know, of women founders and others that are part of that, you know, you have to lean on those at, at sort of every time and ask for what you need, like you say, not just ask for help. And so that grit was, is not, it's not was, that grit is there every single day. Yeah. I've never seen you not hustling and it's a true, it's no, it's a true example. Like we always have to hustle. And I think I feel bad for people when they're like, I hustled for six months. It was too hard. Or I hustled for a year and ah, it's, you know, it should have. And I'm like, uh, get ready to hustle for the rest of your life. So, and you know, Rebecca, I didn't, so that's a great point because I was a hustler in corporate America, right? I mean, I was getting every deal. I was building the bit. I was a hustler. And people will say now, oh, even though you're doing it for yourself, you would be just as busy because you were constantly hustling. I, I think there was a little bit naivety in my, when I started the company or when I wrote the plan that, oh, this will just happen and it's going to be great. 
And then I remember sitting down with my accountant and he said, he owns his own firm. And he said, Kate, no, just get ready. This is every day for the rest of your life, as long as you own a business. And he's had his firm for 30, 40 years. And I kind of had that real reality check, like what? And then I said, well, I made this decision. I'm in it and I'm just going to keep going forward. Yeah. It's kind of like once you're in the deep end, you, you, you have to keep swimming. <laughs> you have to keep swimming. And it's not even, I mean, some days you feel like you're treading and some days you feel like you're drowning. Uh, but then somebody gives you, you know, pulls you up. Somebody gives you a lifeline. And I think that's so much of what being a part of a community and multiple communities that you have. You can pull, put your hand up and say, help, I need you to help me. And, and people will do it, but you have to ask. And, and I think I don't know if I had that necessarily in the corporate world because you have a fully built-in infrastructure, right? You have a, ma- a built-in network because it's the company that you work for. I think the hustling for everything as a business owner is a bit different and it just never ends. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's just some people, to your point, aren't going to be cut out for it. Totally. And not everyone should be or, or should feel pressured and some people are incredible in their corporate roles and don't want the founderness. And that's, you know, there's, there's so many different avenues and channels to take. Um, I'd love to talk about March of last year, because leading up to March of last year, you were primarily a physical space. Uh, your events took place in person, your membership base was, you know, a lot of it was in person. So how did you reinvent and re-engineer your entire model? And was that scary? Was it like, talk me through that time period. So I, I don't even think I really thought about it, to be honest. When we, when March happened, and it was, as we all know, it was Women's History Month. We had all of these events planned and 70% of our events and workshops are member-led. So we're engaging the community in that way. And so for me, when we heard that we might have to shut down, even for quote unquote, a few weeks, it was, I don't want to cancel these events because we have members facilitating. This is part of their business. This is part of their lives. So let's figure out a way to go online. and. I literally, the night, we weren't even closed yet. I think we were about two weeks before we actually physically had to close. I called someone on my team and said, we need a Zoom account. I don't even know how to use Zoom, but we need a Zoom account. And we just kind of, it was like an assembly line of work. Everyone just kind of just rose to the occasion and said, it doesn't matter how long this lasts. We were again, naive thinking it was only going to be a few weeks or a few months. And all I cared about was being there for the community. And then... As soon as New York shut down and we were doing all these events, we, over the course of two months, so that sort of March, April, May, lost almost 80% of our revenue. Kind of like what you talked about in our session, Rebecca, like losing this revenue of everything that you have built. And by the way, we were 14 months old at that point. And I just knew that we were backed against the wall and we had to come out swinging or we were just going to shut down like a lot of our peers. And I just wasn't ready to give up. And we looked into our membership. We looked at our corporate members that were already super supportive. We looked at everything that we were doing around engagement. We reached out to our members and said, what do you need? And that was really, it set us on the path to where we are today, where we now have this massive digital community and we have doubled our corporate partners, if not more than that. And I think there was just no choice for me. It was, I built this company. I know we're having impact. We're profitable. And now we just lost all this, but I'm not giving up. 
And so we've just got to figure it out. And I have to say, I have an amazing, resilient team that stuck by me through pay cuts and said, we know we're on this mission with you. So let's just get to it. I mean, I think it's really incredible because there were a lot of things that people cut out of their lives when the pandemic happened. And you would think, you know, from from the from the other competitors, let's say that were existing, like that had their, I guess it's not fair of me to say their balls cut off, uh, that, that you were able to pivot and reemerge stronger than ever in a way. And then and now your space and the soon to be opened rooftop are a bonus. It's a, yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. And, and you know, we 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 reached out to a number of our industry peers in that time and said, "What? How can we support each other?" And we actually do. We have a group of about 15 now of spaces around the country and now abroad, where we meet now once a month and say, "Okay, what are you guys doing? What's working? What's not working?" In the beginning, for months, it was every week we were meeting because people were sort of thinking, "Like, what is this going to look like?" and we did lose a lot of our individual members, not because, you know, I don't think it's because we weren't doing the right thing. I think it was, there were people that lost their jobs, businesses that were drying up. If you were a small business owner, people were just conserving cash. And I get that, right? Disposable income, you want to save that in a time of a recession and, and women in particular. And so we couldn't fault that. I think we then created new offerings to meet other needs. We, we really bulked up our scholarship program to give more to women that were more impacted. We launched a fellowship program with multiple partners to help particularly help women and women of color-owned businesses. And all of those were born out of our core mission. So nothing really changed. When people say you pivoted, I sort of say, well, our mission didn't change and we didn't change directions. And I'm an athlete. So I think that's that's the term pivot. We adapted to the environment that we're in. And we will always, as a company, just like you, have to adapt to the situations that are in front of you and that you find yourself in. And so this isn't the first time we're going to adapt. This is going to be you know, one time of many, as long as Luminary is around. And what I love is just the spirit of collaboration that has been created uh, both here in New York and then now with our digital community, we have members in 36 countries and it's great to see how they're utilizing and maximizing Luminary, but also just focused on, like we all are, moving forward, keep swimming day by day, especially those that are caregivers and working moms. Let's dive into the the caregiver, working mom, busy women. Um, how have you seen you know, what you're doing for them and the space you're providing impact them or or what have you seen them needing more of that you think people should be looking out for? You know, if you if you would have asked me in the first three months, I think everyone was still focused on performance, 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 regardless of what their, you know, professional journey was. When the summer hit last year, I think people were overwhelmed and they were tired. We saw working moms and caregivers in particular saying, I've had it. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it all. And I think it's so unfair for women in general that we've always had this, women need to do it all. Can you do it all? Can women have it all? When that's never asked of men, right? There's just an assumption that they just do whatever they do and women take the bulk of the responsibility. And, and now we're seeing that even more so along with caregivers. 
uh, predominantly women in, the, in those positions. And I, I, what, what we heard and what we continue to hear is they just want a place of support. They want to make new connections. They want to feel someone even virtually putting their arms around them and saying it's okay. They also want to feel like their voices are being heard if they're a business owner, if they work for a company. What's working for them? What's not working? I think there's a huge concern around what's going to happen in September's when the majority of the of the country is vaccinated and 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 companies start demanding in a sense for people to go back to the office how is that going to impact and affect women you've already got five and a half million women out of the workforce I think that number is going to grow not shrink once September comes because just because we're vaccinated doesn't mean the world has changed and all of those responsibilities that have fallen on working moms and caregivers have shrunken. They're probably even more. And you know, if we're not talking about this now and companies should all be thinking about this, what does that look like? And what's the support? What about paid leave? What about childcare? All of those things we've been talking about for 50 years, we're finally actually hopefully making some progress both public in public policy with the government but more importantly i think private employers have to do more for their women what what can private employers do and what can the women listening ask for because i'm sure you see it from both sides you see your corporate partners providing memberships which are so beneficial for their female employees you see female founders at luminary and what they're doing for them so what should people be demanding so I think in the case of you've got a boss, you know, the earlier, the better if this hasn't happened is you have to sit down and explain what's going on in your life. And for a lot of people, that's going to be scary. And depending on the industry, it could be even scarier. But you have to be honest about your situation. And there probably should have been a conversation a long time ago if it hasn't happened. I'm assuming for most it has because we've all seen, you know, into our lives, our personal lives in particular with Zoom. But having that conversation around what's the expectation for you when return to the office, you know, comes back? What is the expectation of the company? How can they be more flexible? What do you need? Because at the end of the day, if you need something, just like any time in your career and you're not getting it, you have to make tough decisions. And so if your company's not supporting you and not working with you, and not understanding you know, where's the give and take here, then it's time to look for a new company. And I would say there are lots of companies hiring out there. I mean, you're seeing in financial services, even at the junior level, these companies are dying to keep their talent and they're paying them even more. So, you know, have those conversations, make sure they know, you know, where you stand and honestly negotiate. And it's the same thing in being a founder, a small business owner. It's people need to know where you stand and they need to know where you're going to break. And sometimes, you know what, you're going to break multiple times a week. For me, it's all about prioritization. Uh, a friend of mine at Unilever will say it's ruthless prioritization. I tend to look at it as glass balls and rubber balls and those change on a daily basis. What are the rubber balls that can drop and what are the glass balls you have to keep in the air? And so... It's all about prioritization as a founder and what you're focused on. Some of that may be, I have to hire my first employee because I can't do it all to I'm starting to fundraise or I'm looking for capital in lots of different ways or I'm shutting my business down, right? And so much of this is about tough decision-making and really tough conversations with both your customers as well as your employees and your boss. I love that. And I'm I'm so curious to get your take because you've come from corporate America where there is 
obviously lots of talk about the glass ceiling. Then you then you started uh, and now I'd say 100% of your users, close to 100% are women. So where do you see the differences in someone rising or piercing through and where do you see similarities? Because I was shocked once I got outside the insular fashion world that there was even anything to you know, happening with men and inequality and and all that. Because all I saw was that was happening in fashion with women just throwing each other under the bus all day long. So to me, I was like, wait, what is happening out out here? And and it's, you know, sometimes it's more painful when it's women because you expect that they're they're your tribe. They're going to support you. It's totally more painful. It's like, hey, what the hell are you doing, right? Aren't we in this together? Don't we have the similar challenges? Why don't we band together collectively and rise above versus it's just me? You know, I think that's such an interesting take because I think for many industries and even in the founder landscape, there is this societal pressure that there can only be one, right? There can be only one amazing you know, handbag brand. There can be only one amazing uh, woman's community. There can be only one woman at the C-suite, you know, sitting at that table. First of all, there are there's plenty of pie to go around and you have to think creatively about how to collaborate versus compete. And it's a lot easier to compete than collaborate because you actually have to think about it and think about where there's a win-win. I think you can create a seat at the table for yourself no matter what you do, but you have to make room for others. And if you're not doing that, by the way, for both women and men, then you know you shouldn't be in your job. I truly believe that there is karma. I saw it in my financial services career. I would wonder, how are these people sitting at the top? And I remember one of my mentors said, don't worry, eventually they get found out. Sometimes it's not as quick as you'd like, but they will get found out. They will. And you're seeing that with companies right now, particularly since last June and July with the murder of George Floyd, etc. Brands are getting called out. And I think not only brands, leaders are getting called out. Leaders, boards, the executive management team. And if you're not walking the talk, you may find yourself without a job. You may find yourself without a company. You may find yourself without investors. And so... We can't forget that consumers, our customers, our, in my case, our members are very smart. They're intuitive. And they're even more intuitive, I think, than ever before because of the access to information. So create that seat for yourself. Pull up your chair. Take your seat. I mean, Luminaries hashtag is come sit at our table. But that doesn't mean you have to do that at the detriment to others. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
with all of the news being, you know, women leaving the workforce, women being let go, millions of women, I felt like there was a missed opportunity to say, all these women are leaving, but oh my gosh, 2,000 a day are starting their own companies. And flipping the narrative to, yes, women are leaving, but it's not because they're victims, and some are. Uh, but here's an opportunity of an entire new generation of entrepreneurs and founders. Have you seen that in your space and with with what you're doing with your programming at Luminary to be true? Absolutely. And I think you're also... So I agree. I think we we have to... We Not only do we have to stop talking about the problem, we have to start talking about the solution. And some of that is getting women back to work. And some of that is reframing roles in organizations to allow the flexibility for these women to work. And the third is making sure we're supporting this whole new generation of small new small business owners, entrepreneurs. And we saw this in 2008. When the financial crisis happened, you saw a whole new world of entrepreneurs, particularly for women. It really started that 1,800 to 2,000 uh, women-owned businesses starting per day, the majority of them being women of color. And so how do you support that? We need to also look at the women that are in their jobs, that have been displaced, that are taking a backseat, that are like, I can't do it all. Uh what are they going to do? So we're not only seeing women wanting to start companies or at least explore that. We're seeing women think about their careers differently and say, I don't have to do this for 25 years or 30 years or 10 years. I can make changes. And I'm seeing more 50 plus year old women at Luminary start to question what's their next step more than ever before. And you're not talking 20 to 30 somethings. You're talking 50 plus something that are like, I'm ready for a change. Should I go do my own thing? Where's the support? How do I get access? How do I leverage capital? How do I make new connections? And I think we've got to be ready for this whole new world of what that looks like for women in general. And it's not a woe is me. Let's get everybody to work. And that's going to look different for every single person. I love that you say that because I think it's a massive opportunity. And I think if we can change the narrative and then give them the education, which you're doing, we're doing at Female Founder Collective, like setting up women the right way so that when they do go to launch, you know, they have a leg up on, on so many people who have no idea what they're doing, which I certainly didn't have any idea what I was doing when I launched my business. And I wish I had. Right. And and you're taking even for, you know, those founders that may have have, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years of experience. You're also saying, by the way, let's leverage that experience and your background that you have into whatever you're doing with your business. I think the other thing for women is we're often pigeonholed, right? Rebecca, you're a fashion. Kate, you're a banker. You know, X person is this. It's like, wait a second, I have all of these transferable skill sets that I can take those anywhere and do something with. And so we have to pull those out of a lot of women and say, okay, let's reframe the narrative. Let's change your professional story and sometimes personal and make it work for you. Yeah. I I, I love that as as horrific as COVID has been, uh, and I'm not I'm not trying to in any way not uh, you know undermine the loss of loved ones and the the toll on mothers and working women and businesses, but it has allowed people to sort of reframe as entrepreneurs how they want to change their businesses and how to reset in a way. I, I never could get off the treadmill 
And now I'm, we're building a different one, you know, right. with how we go back to work. And so I think that one of the silver linings I feel has been the ability for, for that to occur. I think there are, I think you're absolutely right. We can't, you know, underplay all the devastation and the loss, but I think there have been for lots of people and lots of companies and and certainly for entrepreneurs, silver linings. Some of those silver linings are, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, Some of those silver linings are, I can't do what I've been doing. Like you said, the treadmill and get off that and figure out, you know, now you want to go on a different machine, right? You want to do intervals. And so I really think that if we didn't learn from this year, then what a waste. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. So you're a busy woman. You're never not working in my view. How do you turn off do you unplug? Do you not? Because some people think that can be a bad thing if you don't turn off, but some women thrive on that. And I think that's okay too. So I, 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 I am just not a relaxer. Uh, <laughs> I've never been, I, I think I have my, my father was an FBI agent. I never saw him until he retired relax. And I see that of my brothers too. I think that's just in my, in my genes. You know, I have a great boyfriend. He makes me relax. But I think for me, I, I really do. It's why I, th- I think I thrived in the corporate environment. I thrive off of just going for the next thing, hustling for the next piece of business, you know, executing on the strategy. And sometimes my best days are when I'm heads down and in it and backed against the wall. You know, I think for me, one of the things that I really miss that did give me that kind of respite was traveling. And none of us have really been able to do that um, in this past year. So I'm hoping to get back to that. But I, I also really enjoy just leaning on and talking to, you know, you mentioned the glass ceiling, our rooftop as, at our physical space, we actually did open about a, two weeks ago. And so being able to have that as like go upstairs and have a cocktail or even a mocktail and just sit with friends right now, that seems like such a luxury. And it's kind of pretty amazing to feel like that when a year ago, like you said, we're all on this treadmill running from event to event to event. Now we can actually take some time and say, wow, I I missed you. And I love spending time with you and be present. So I have to work on that, Rebecca. For me, a lot of it is just focusing on being present. Yeah. And and I I like that you admit it. You're not a good relaxer and that's okay. Not everyone (laughs) has to relax. I'm like go, 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 go. And when I finally do get to tune out, I'm like, well, I haven't been on a beach sipping anything in a long time, but I feel like sometimes I'm just like, oh, the only way I can get back out there is if I completely unplug. So I appreciate your honesty there. Um, So for those who might be interested in maybe not living in New York City, can you just share what Luminary does on the digital side and why women should consider joining or men? You, you have or men. We do have men. Yes. About I, we are our, 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 our individual side. It's only about probably 2%. But then because we have so many corporate relationships, a lot of our audiences now, uh, I would say is becoming more diverse, including men. And I think that's great because they want to learn and they want to educate themselves on how to support women and, and create inclusive environments. Um, so we provide through our platform the link, which is our intranet uh, for our members only. Everything from content, downloadable content to connecting with one another online, almost like a mini Facebook. I hate using that analogy, but it's easy. 
to uh, a broader LinkedIn of thousands of members around the world. We have community groups that are digital within that. We have a jobs board. We have the Luminary Collective where we promote women-owned and women-founded brands. And then the access to all of the programming. We now run between 10 and 15 events, every events, workshops, and sessions every single week. And right now, and they will be for the foreseeable future virtual. But even when we go back to some type of hybrid model where we have events in the space, we will now always have the capabilities to live stream those with um, digital engagement with our community. And so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll see how much people want to be on on Zooms. But I don't think that's ever going to go away because the way we work has changed. So that's the way our digital community works. And we'll be doing some pop-ups in the fall uh, in some of the cities where we have a lot of members to bring them together physically if they're feeling comfortable. And then certainly as we continue to grow uh, you know, our physical space, and if that takes on a you know new spaces, I don't know what that looks like, we will listen to our members. It's all about listening to the community and being ha- showing up how they want us to show up. Uh, and so much of that is in our programming. I love it. So what is a piece of advice that you would love to pass on that maybe you learned the hard way or someone gave you that you think would be valuable for people listening today? So the best advice my dad ever gave me was when I was very small, and I've shared this in, in other sessions, but it, it, just, it, it really drives my life, is you're going to fall down so many times. And you only fail if you don't get back up. So pick yourself up off the ground, the virtual ground, whatever, whatever it is, you brush yourself off and you walk it off. You walk it off. That was told to me in the contents of a, of a stickball game with my brothers and my neighbors. <laughs> and I never forget it because what he was basically saying is you let them push you around. You put, get yourself pushed down. If you don't get back up and keep trying, then you've just called it quits. And I think... For me, I live that every day. Some days it's harder than others, but I just have to walk it off and keep going. I always say, if you know baseball at all, nobody's batting a thousand. You are always going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from them and you're going to take risks and some of them aren't going to pan out, but you just have to keep going and not look at everything like a failure. Just think of it as falling down and get back up and keep going. I love it. I think that's incredible. What would we be surprised to know about you? Maybe some people might know this, but uh, I, as I mentioned, I'm an I was was an athlete. I'm 46 years old now, so I'm not necessarily an athlete. But I uh, always played boys sports growing up until I got to high school. And when I got to high school, I was a big soccer fanatic, and they didn't have a girls team, and so they wouldn't let me play on the boys team. And so I went to the school board and petitioned, and we created our own. And why is that sort of pivotal in my life? One, I think my dad always says, that's when you became a true leader. But 20 years, literally to the day that that soccer year, that soccer team was created, um, that same girls, you know, little girls soccer team in Matawan, New Jersey, won the girls state championship uh, in New Jersey. So, you know, progress can be slow, but it's progress. And with everything you're doing, I'm sure progress is moving a lot faster because you don't sleep. We already know that. And uh, you hustle like a badass. And I admire that deeply about you. Likewise, back at you, one from one hustler to another. (laughs) It's always funny, I think, when hustlers see each other, because there's like, I don't know, there's just you recognize a kindred spirit when you're like, oh, this, this girl... 
She's looking for all the opportunities in front of her, you know, wherever they can be. Yeah. And you're going to get it done. Like no matter what, it's just going to get done and may get done differently in different ways, but it's going to get done. And and I think you're right. I mean, I can see him a mile away (laughs) and then you can see the ones that aren't and that's okay too. But I think that's why there's such an, uh, an effort and focus right now in women founders really supporting each other and just saying, let's do this together. Because if one of us succeeds, it's not going to do much for the world. If we all succeed, it's going to change it. I love it. That's the quote right there. That's the quote for this episode. That was awesome. Um, Okay, great. So where can people find Luminary, follow you um, and support? So on the web, we're at luminary-nyc.com. On Instagram, Twitter, all those great places, we're at Be A Luminary. So B-E-A, Luminary. And then you can follow me. Mainly, I'm active on LinkedIn at Kate Luzio, C-A-T-E-L-U-Z-I-O. And then the same on my Twitter and Instagram handles. Awesome. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being such a badass. And I can't wait to see you actually in real life. I know, on the glass ceiling. Let's figure something out. On the glass ceiling, yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birchboxes, as well as our site.